Well, welcome everyone to Ecclesia United. My name is Anthony Richardson. I'm, I, I am the founder and the president of um, Ecclesia United. I want to thank you so much for joining us on today. Um, for those of you uh, who are new to us, uh, thank you for finding us uh, in whatever modality you use to find us. We're glad that you found us. We're asking you uh, to please subscribe to our library um, uh, by hitting the subscribe button. There is a plethora of content that I believe is uh, here to help you in your growth um, as a uh, spiritual being uh, placed into this world by God himself uh, and uh, for life that's yielded to Jesus Christ. Um, and so I'm asking you to please subscribe uh, and just consume whatever um, uh, is applicable to you at the moment. Um, I think we have the obedience to, uh, or at least our goal is to be obedient to just uh, release content um, as, as when we get content to release. Uh, there is no cadence um, to or any frequency or regular frequency or intervals in which we release content uh, we just release it when we're inspired to do so um, and we're going to talk about inspiration here in just a moment uh, but as we're inspired to do so we do that and uh, then we move forward so um, thank you again for joining us uh, and for those of you who are well aware of us welcome back um, yeah, so inspiration, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about two words in particular, inspiration and the word purpose. Uh, for To me, those two words uh, actually, um, they go together uh, in a sense. Um, I, I was thinking about, uh, you know, the kind of one of the colloquialisms you are here is, you know, the wonder twins. Um, and so I, I, I think... I'm thinking of inspiration and purpose being the wonder twins that working together uh, to activate uh, their power to uh, effect positive change uh, in the world that we're in. Um, so I want to talk from that lens, um, the lens of those two words. Uh, and for those of you who are new to us, um, I love, 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 love. I absolutely love. I love. I love. I really, really, really do love words. I love words. I read the dictionary. I study the etymological roots of words. I love uh, what words mean. And um, the. I, I love, if, if I can say, uh, texture the texture of words to me words have a texture they have a feel they have a they have a they have an ethos they have a um uh they have a they have a breath i don't know the a, 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 a reticence is the it's a word that comes to mind um they they, they are whew, words are powerful i think words are probably arguably you can argue it, but I think probably the most important institution that we have in the world, the words that we speak, um, the words that we say, even the words that we think, um, those things are speaking to us uh, in shaping our environment and shaping our speech, shaping our dialect, shaping our ideologies, our philo philo philosophies, our uh uh, I was thinking I was trying to say philosophical views. And by the way, for those of you who come on here, um, if you're new, you know, these are not scripted. Um, so I'll fumble over things as I'm saying stuff and go back to stuff. It, it, we're trying to be led completely by the Holy Spirit and we don't have a prescription 
for when we come to do these. And so um, what we release is clean because it is inspired and and uh, given to us by God himself, uh, we believe. So, yeah, back to uh, back to these words. Um, I want to tell you this. I think this is important for you to know uh, if you didn't already know this. Uh, there's there, there is a there's a scripture uh, in, in the book of Proverbs. I do not recall where it's at right now, but you can Google this as I quote it. You can Google it and Google will help you find exactly where it's at. Um, the scripture says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Um, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Um, the word power that's used in that text, um, one thing I implore you to do for all of our listeners is to really study <clears throat> um, the etymological roots of words um, that are being used, even in the scriptures. That that means to not look at the words at the very surface level. Um, so don't just read the words and whatever you um definition comes up in your mind don't bring that definition to the text you have to divorce yourself from the definition in your mind or the definitions that you may know them to be or context or even using context clues in order to figure out the word that is being used there you have to um you have to peel back i was thinking about this word epi um, uh, it's part of the word, ep, uh, it's part of the word, uh, for, for the scriptures use the word bishop, uh, in the, in the, in, in the text. I actually, I don't want to go, I don't want to go down that route because, because if I go that route, we, we can be, we will get off of a purpose, I think for what we want to do here. So, but, but what I was going to say is the, the word epi came into mind. It's it, the epi is a covering. Um, so when it comes to words, what you have to do is peel back the covering. You have to peel back the covering of the word and see what's beneath the surface of the word. What is in. So looking beneath the surface of the word is looking down through um, the tentacles that lead to the root of the word. Okay, so when we talk about etymology, um, that's looking at the root of the word, the genesis of the word. Where does the word come from? Okay, so um, so when we go back to that scripture, death and life is in the power of the tongue. The word power that's used there is this Hebrew word uh, pronounced yad, uh, spelled Y-A-D. Okay, Yad literally means hand. Okay, so death and life are in the hand of the tongue. Okay, so, and as you ponder that, the question that may naturally come up in your mind is, how does my tongue have hands? What, or what are the hands of my tongue? So much so that death and life are in the hands of the tongue or death and life, the power, uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. OK, so how how does my tongue have hands? And the answer to that 
is in the scriptures. I believe that everything we need the answer to is in the scriptures. God has already given us the answer to what we need. So we don't have to turn to the quote unquote experts in the world around us. We don't have to turn to media. We don't have to turn to 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 root uh, to not roots. Not that's not what I was trying to say. We don't have to turn to books. We don't have to turn to 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 other sources first before coming to God. We should always seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things shall be uh, shall be uh, added unto us. It, it, the scriptures also say, be, be anxious for nothing but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. Okay, we can bring our inquiries or inquiries to God first and then God may lead us to books and resources and people to fill out or to provide answers uh, for us but, it, but but trust it's not the people that are providing the answers but it could be something that God has inspired in the people and what I just said about what God has inspired in the people is going to make sense in a moment once we break down the word inspire but what he's inspired in the people you can then go to them and extract that inspiration to understand and answer or get an answer to your question in which you presented to God first. Okay. So how does the tongue have hands? So we can look to the scriptures. Where in the scriptures do we find an answer? We find an answer in a couple of places. One of those places is in, and these places are parallel places. Okay, There's some parallel places in the scriptures. If you read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, if you read them, there's parallel texts in the scriptures. There's chapters that are parallel with other chapters in the Bible. Okay, um, there's things that 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 are extensions of additional stories you may have read in one point. So you may be reading something in Kings and then you may read the same similar context in Chronicles because the two are parallel. Okay, and one of them is giving it and they're each giving advantage or each giving an, they're each giving information from a particular perspective. But weaving the two together gives you a more full explanation of what's taking place. Okay, so so the book of Genesis, Genesis one and John one is similar in that in that fashion. Okay, and they have this reverent this reference to a beginning point uh, or to some start. Uh, and so so in Gen in John one we get an answer to how does the tongue have hands? Okay, so when we look at and we look in John one, it starts off. Let's let's read this. Let me. Let me I'm going to open my Bible. I was going to quote it, and which I which I which I can, and which I and and which I would paraphrase it, um, uh, to 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 get us there. But let's let's just read it. Hold on a second. Um, let me pull it up because I didn't have it up. It, it starts off in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. The same as in the beginning with God. Um, and let's 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 stay there. Um, give me a second. I'm I'm opening up my Bible. I'm kind of going back and forth if I want to open the this the Bible to look at this um, or not or just keep going. Um, I, let's just keep going. That that is not to say um, you, you can you can do your own research and find 
what it is that I'm saying in the scriptures. So John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. Okay. What was in the beginning with God? The word. Okay. What is, what is the word? Now, when you take the word, word, when you take the word, word, that's used in John 1, when you dissect or peel back the covering from the, the word, word, and you look down through the tentacles of the word to get to its root, here's what you'll see. The word, word, that's used there in John 1 is a Greek word, lagos, or lagos, or logos, okay? That word logos or lagos has a root word, lego, okay, L-E-G-O. Now, to help bring fullness of an understanding for, for, for the word word, um, I am going to bring into purview a toy that I used to have, a set of toys. I don't know if you call it, if you've called collectively Lego blocks a toy, or do you call each individual piece a toy? I think you, I think the full set would be considered considered to be a toy. But Legos are toys. Legos are building blocks to build, you know, whatever. There, there are there are some pre-made set pre-made sets of Legos in which you can build the image that's on the box, or you can just get random colors and shapes and sizes of Legos and just build whatever you want to build. Um, the, the, the point I think that's readily seen in the example of the Legos is that you can see uh, an inspired thought come to life with Legos. Okay, so 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 Legos then become um, words or building blocks. So if Legos become are inspired thoughts that you can see and you can build those with with the words or with or with the Legos, what you can see is that Legos and words are synonymous with each other. Someone had an idea uh, in which I submit to you as an inspired idea. And, 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 and we could be talking about this a little out of order, but I think this will make sense as we continue to move forward. Um, but, but Legos are words. Legos are words. Legos makes the word logos. Logos makes the word word. Legos are words. Okay, so if we t if we understand that Legos are words and Legos are building blocks, Legos are words and Legos are building blocks, and then death and life, death and life is in the power or in the hand of the tongue. Then what are the hands of the tongue? The tongue being a part of the mouth, and the tongue being the instrument used to help us to enunciate our words. Then death and life are in the hand of the tongue, or in the words of the tongue. The death and life are in the words of the tongue. Death and life are in the words of the tongue, or in the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue is the words of the tongue. The words of the tongue are the Legos of the tongue. The Legos are the building blocks of the tongue. And so the death and life. Is 
is in the building blocks of the tongue with the, in the building blocks being the words that we speak. And so the words that we speak then can bring death or life. How do we know that? We can, from parallel text, further out, further understand our premise. Okay, so if we go to Genesis, we go to the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was void without form, and darkness upon the face of the earth, and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the earth, and, and God said, God said, God said, let there be light. And it was so, and evening and morning was the first day. And so, okay, so, 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 so God said, what God said became because what he said are the building blocks that built what, which then became, okay? So death and life are in the hand of the tongue or the words of the tongue or in the legos of the tongue is 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 a powerful concept now 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 how from the perspective of me and you as individuals as spiritual beings how does that apply to us how does that give us the power in our tongues uh we 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 gain our power from the power that god has given us and the power that God has given us is in the power of the words that he has spoken concerning us. So in the go further down in the book of Genesis, chapter number one, you will see where God says, let us. This is God communing in himself. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity con 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 uh, communing within himself to say, let us. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, let us make man. Man is a spirit. In our own image and after our likeness okay so so in the same likeness of God God has made man and so in the same likeness is to say with the same power power and abilities to speak a thing and it becomes then we have that as man or mankind have we have that same power man is a spirit human human is 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 a is a is a um conglomerate if you will of two words humus humus uh, which is the hue part of human humus is the word that come it, it means uh, dust or dirt man means spirit so a human is a spirit in dirt or dirt in, in dirt filled with a spirit Okay, now watch this dirt field with a spirit. Now watch, now watch, now watch, because this is where inspiration is going to come. And I got excited about that. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> this is where inspiration comes into play. God says in the book of Genesis, guide me, Holy Spirit, to guide me, Holy Ghost. God says in the book of Genesis, on down I, I i cannot recall to you right now exactly the exact verse in which this writes you can search this out just read genesis 1 and genesis 2. he says let us make man after our image and in our likeness um okay or, or vice versa one or two it, it, it says it in some shape form of fashion like that 
the point I'm getting to is God then moves into this creation phase of man in which he forms man from the dust, that's humus, from the dust of the ground. He forms him. Now man isn't yet living yet because God hasn't given him breath. But he forms him. So God forms man from the dust of the ground. Okay. After he forms man from the dust of the ground, then he breathes into man the breath of life. The breathing into the man, the breath of life, is God imparting his spirit into the man and giving the man spirit and giving the man spirit then animates the dust humus body okay so 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 you you will see this if you've ever been to a funeral you will understand this a little bit more when you hear at the end when, when the efficient is doing the committal of the body to the ground the efficient will say something to the tune of we now commit this body to the ground earth to earth ashes to ashes dust to dust it's saying it's saying it's saying earth this this body this body that i'm committing or that we're committing to the ground is earth and that earth is returning back to earth and so you say so they say earth to earth Ashes to ashes is a reference to in the dust, the particles, um, the 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 broken, the decomposed material of the body in which it decomposes in, in that in that ash like manner to then become to then become what it was before to if you if you ever were to burn something and completely disintegrate it it would be in a solid form and then it would turn to ashes and then would be would be pulverized and scattered okay ashes being returned back to ashes okay uh, and then dust to dust, the human, the humus is dust or dirt. That now the body itself is being returned back to the dirt in which it came. So he says, or she says, dirt to dirt, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, or dirt to dirt. Uh, so you see this, you see this re-communion, if you will, of the of the fleshy part of the human returning back but the man the spirit goes on okay now i don't want to go far into that because you can go far and where does this where does the spirit live on that's not the objective of what we're talking about today what we're talking about today is inspiration and purpose and those two being wonder twins okay so now now what, now, I want to go back because I want you to see where inspiration comes into this picture, and then we'll break down the word inspiration as well. Inspiration comes into this picture in Genesis 1 where God forms man from the dust of the ground. That's the humus. That's the humus. That's the humus. Okay. He forms man of the dust of the ground, and then he breathes into man. That breathing into man is the spirit. Okay, so he's breathing into man the spirit, uh, breathing into the humus the spirit. He's breathing into humus the spirit. The spirit is the man. Okay, so so God God is breathing 
into the humus, the spirit, which is the man. And hence you have a human. Okay. Now, I want, I want you to see this. I want you to see this inspiration. The word inspiration. It's a two-part word. Inspiration. N. E-N or I-N. E-N and I-N. There's some variations in how it morphs throughout time. E-N kind of being one of its more original uh, original spellings, if you will. Uh, E-N, it means into. Uh, uh, into. E-N. E-N or I-N means into. Uh, the second part of inspiration comes from this word sperare. Uh, sparar, sparar, could be pronouncing it wrong, uh, but the, but the word itself means to breathe. Okay, so 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 you can see inspiration in that moment in Genesis one, where 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 it, if you go back to the word inspiration to breathe, en is to breathe or to is is into or in or into, and then sparar is to breathe, and so inspiration is to breathe into. Inspiration is breathing into. So God is breathing into inspiration into man. And that inspiration animates man. He's breathing inspiration into man. What is that? Did he breathe into man? He breathes spirit into man. The spirit is inspiration. The spirit is what animates the man. Okay. So now that that's that's powerful to me because because. Worship in and of itself is us breathing back out to God what he's breathed into us. There's a scripture that says the hour is coming now is where they that worship the Lord must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worshiping God in spirit and the truth. That word spirit that is used in that text and that text that I just quoted there. You can look that up. Just Google it. Look it up. Uh, uh, Worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. That word spirit right there is to breathe out. So, so in, so if, if God has inspired us by breathing in and the way that we worship him is to breathe out, then if we take the context or we look within our own selves and the biology of the body, uh, and see how, how breathing works in us, we breathe in and we breathe out. And there's this constant ebb and flow of life of breathing in and breathing out. And God is breathed in and then we breathe out. And God's breathed in and then we breathe out. And then if you look at how creation is all centered around that same swinging of the pendulum, if you will, of swinging in and swinging out, or swinging in and swinging out, or swinging left and swinging right, or swinging in and swinging out, or breathing in and breathing out, and breathing in and breathing out. And we breathe in oxygen, we breathe out CO2. We breathe in oxygen, we breathe out CO2. The trees breathe in CO2 and they breathe out oxygen. Oxygen. The trees bring in, breathe in CO2 and then they breathe out oxygen. And this, this relationship that happens between the human and the earth and the earth and the human and the human and the earth and the earth and the human. And this continual flow and this cycle of breathing in and breathing out and breathing in and breathing out. And you're sharing and then you're, and then, and, and then you're, and then, and I should say you're carrying and you're sharing and carrying and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're moving in and out and, and up and down and, that's that that's the cadence and what I'm wanting you to see is the interconnectedness that we have 
uh, as a body, as a people, uh, as, as, as nature and the earth, we're all connected in this sense. God has set this thing in motion by his divine intelligence and we're part of that. Uh, and, and so and so it also speaks to us in terms of responsibility and steward, stewardship uh, and what we do with what we have been given. How do we take care of it? Uh, you may think those are political ideologies, but I submit to you that those are those are ideologies of stewardship, of righteous stewardship than which God has caused for us to subdue and have dominion in the earth. Okay, that's in Genesis as well. We have that responsibility of of breathing back out what God has breathed in so that then his purpose can be made manifest and what he intends to do can be accomplished. Now, I want you to see this word purpose. I want you to see this word purpose, two part word purpose per and pose or pose or per, or a pause in. Um, there's, there's different the second part of it um, has several different iterations, um, not iterations of thought, iterations of of how the word has morphed into what we understand is the pause or the pose, purpose or purpose. That per, that pus or pose the second part of the word p o s e that second part of that word uh, has it, it, you have to go back a little bit further than initial uh, understanding of even the word pose even of itself okay uh, so so let's let's work our way backwards from from that word pose so so if we look at purpose and then we break it apart we see per and then we see pose or purpose. A purpose, and when we see that that second word, that second part, P O S E, it starts with the definition of to place. Okay, uh, uh, to, to place. Uh, um, okay, so so now, but then we start to back up from that word to some of the other words that preceded the evolution, if you will, of the word P O S E. It the P word the word P O S E actually comes from. Um, uh, a word that means to pause or to halt or to stop or to cease. Okay. And that, and if you think about that, it's a little different. It's the, 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 uh, the amalgamation, if you will, of the word purpose. It's, it, it can send you into an inquiry loop, if you will. Because per, per, P-U-R, the P-U-R, the P-U-R part of the word purpose means forth. It means forth, F-O-R-T-H, forth. Forth is a forward, forward progression. It is, it is something that is, it's, it's a word that connotes movement, uh, forward, not backwards. It's, it's forth, uh, uh, it's a word that connotes pressure. Uh, it, it's a word that connotes advancement. Um, and so it, to, to, to put these two words together to form the word purpose, per and then pose, it, it, it's, it's almost like an oxymoron because the two are opposite of each other. If you trace 
purpose, P-O-S-E. So the word purpose, P-U-R-P-O-S-E, if you take P-O-S-E and trace it back to its root, so tracing the tentacles back to get to the root, you'll see that that word means to pause or to cease or to stop or to halt. But then as it morphs, as you, as you come on down the tentacles and come back to more of the surface of the word pose, it means to put or to place. Okay, so, so a word that means per, that means forth, and another word pose, which really from its etymological roots means to stop or to halt or to cease, which then as it continues to move on down through through its evolution and its understanding, uh, it comes out to mean uh, to place, then then the purpose becomes a word that means to place forth, but it means a word to place forth or to put forth with an intention. It means it means a word. It's a word that means to put forth or to place forth, but it has an intention. So purpose isn't just a random um, word. In if it just it's just in the ether that's just out there. There's an intention, or there's there an inspiration behind the word purpose. And I want to show you something. I think is really, really. I don't know if I should use the word fascinating. I think it's uh, magnificent um, uh, in terms of revelation as we kind of take and take round the corner to closing out our discussion today. Purpose and inspiration. What is purpose and inspiration doing together as wonder twins? Considering the word purpose again, forth, the word forth, per, forth, and then P-O-S-E, to put or to place. So purpose is to put or to place forth. Tr- tracing back the word pose comes from a word that means to pause. It's actually the same word where we get our word pause from, our English word pause. Uh, so it means to halt or to cease or to stop uh, in the sense of a hindrance. One word is meaning forward, progression, or forth, and one word is meaning a hindrance. But when you put the two together, purpose, this is to put forth, but with, with an intended purpose or an intended expression or intended purpose of hindering before putting forth. Here's, here's, what I mean. here's what I mean by that. A hindrance before putting forth. The hindrance, if you look at the word pose, it starts off to pause. And there's several iterations of that word pause that comes down and then it finally becomes to put forth. So before the putting forth, there's a pause. Okay? Before to before or or because or, or, I'm bringing in per into this definition and I shouldn't do that. Per is to is to is forth, but pose is to place. So before a place or before placement, there's a pause because there's several definitions that come before the definition that we get when we see purpose. When we see pose and used in the word purpose, that initial revelation and understanding you get is to place. But before you get to get to the definition of to place, there is a pause. So there's a pause before placement 
and 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 the pause is before placement and the placement is then put put together with put forth so refer, so purpose purpose I, w- I want to be very careful and slow and methodical and the reason why I keep repeating this is I want you to understand this definition purpose is to put forth but there is a pausing before the putting forth now I, I want you to see this um, you may go back uh, to the last podcast installment in our library. Um, I think it has something to do with grace. I forget the name of it. Um, uh, the power of grace or something like that or the purpose of grace, the power of grace, something like that. It's in our podcast library. Listen to that. I want you to listen to that um, because in it, it's going to bring some deeper context to this conversation we're having about inspiration and purpose. What I'm going to Cliff Notes version give you from that uh, installment is God is leading the children in, in that podcast. I talk about how God is leading the ch- children of Israel from uh, a place in which they were in bondage in Egypt. And he brings them forth through the wilderness and then brings them forth through the wilderness, which becomes a gateway, a pathway uh, on their way to Canaan, which is their promised land. Now, before they go into Canaan, into their promised land, God has them to pause. Now, he has brought them out from Egypt with the expressed purpose of bringing them into their promised land, Canaan. But before they are put forth into their promised land of Canaan, they have to pause. And and what we're talking about in the power of, or the, the 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 grace, or the power of grace, or something, whatever the name of the installment is, in that one you see it in the library. What we're talking about in there is what God is talking to the children of Israel about before He brings them forth into what He has promised to the to their fathers. Okay, so so what I want you to see there is before. The promise, there's a pause or before being put forth into there's a pause and there's a pause to 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 speak into the minds of this body of people that is going in to possess a land that God has promised to his people. He causes for them to pause because before you go into this that I'm taking you into, I need for you to pause because I have a purpose in what I'm doing. And I need you to, I need you to have, I need you to have the right context and the right lenses and the right understanding of what it is that I'm doing. You're not moving into this land he talks about in in Deuteronomy chapter eight, chapter nine and chapter 10. He's talking, he's talking to him about he's not moving them into this land and moving them into this promise and causing for them to be successful in what he's in what they're going to do because of something they've did or the perfection and the life that they've lived he ref- in fact he reminds them and he, t- and he and laboriously reminds them of how stiff-necked of a people they were and how rebellious of a people they were 
and how they how they provoked him in the wilderness and how they talked against him and what they did as he's transitioning them after he has carried them out from 400 years of Egyptian bondage. He's carrying them out of that and tearing them into what it is that uh, and, and what it is that he's taking them into. OK, so now so now so he has to remind them before I take you into this land and into this promise that I have given your fathers. And he reminds them in Deuteronomy chapter eight, nine and ten. He reminds them in even chapter 11 as well. He's reminding them in this that he's doing what he's doing for them because he has made a promise to their fathers who are our fathers, too. This is you and me as well. Because we because we, we, we were adopted in through the grace of, of Jesus Christ and through and through the crucifixion on the cross, we became adopted in to that same commonwealth of Israel. OK, so we became connected in and we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise because of what Jesus has done for us. And then further, because of how we have accepted the sacrifice that Jesus had made for us. And we call Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior because we understand it, his crucifixion and his death and his burial upon the cross was a death and a burial that was justly due to us because of our stiff neckedness. And our rebellion against him and our sin and our depravity. But he has extended the grace. This is the power of God's grace. He's extended his grace to us and that he has he has he has allowed for us to step into something that wasn't even ours. It was it, it was a promise that he just gave it by grace to fathers who were idolatrous worshipers themselves. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, they they say so 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 God brings them into a place of promise, but he's bringing them into a place of promise with a purpose. So before I bring you, he God says to them, before I bring you into this place of promise for the purpose that I have intended for. We're going to have to pause and I want you to understand what it is that I'm doing. This pause allows is an opportunity for the children of Israel to, I'm going to use a phrase that we've heard a lot in our contemporary time, to catch their breath or to be inspired. Yeah, so to breathe, to be inspired. The pausing, there's a purpose even in the pausing. The purpose in the pausing is to have a breathing moment. To read cycle, reset ourselves or themselves. And really we see ourselves in themselves. We see us in them and them in us. It's an opportunity for us to pause and to catch our breath. And to regulate our breathing, which calms our heart. It opens our capillaries in our lungs to allow us to breathe and the blood to flow for the blood for the heart to be able to beat and for the blood to flow and for all the extremities of our body to get the correct level of oxygen and the correct blood pressure breathing you just came out of 40 years of crossing through a wilderness you got to breathe 
You didn't know what was happening. I was feeding you manna. You didn't know what was going on. You were thirsty in a wilderness. I had to bring you water out of a rock. You don't know what's going on. I'm bringing you. You came out of Egyptian bondage 400 years, making brick without straw, and the taskmasters were pressing you even harder. They took away your resources, then told you to make it whatever it is they had you to make. You had to make more with less. That sounds like times we're living in now. We have to do more with less. And before I take you in, before I take you into this next phase, into this promise that I'm giving you, I'm telling you, you're going to have to pause and catch your breath. There's purpose in the pause. 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 You have to stop and I have to inspire you. I have to breathe into you because I breathed into man in the very beginning because I formed human from the dust of the ground. I formed human from the dust of the ground and I breathe into human spirits. And that spirit is the man. The man is the spirit. The spirit is the man. The man is the spirit. And the spirit is in the humus, the dirt, the dust in the body. The spirit is in the dust. It's in the body. Animates the man. The man comes forth with a purpose to subdue and have dominion in the earth and to multiply this which God has given. It's stewardship. I've given you Eden. Everything you have here, I've given it to you. Your purpose is to till it and to keep it. And to multiply it, you have a purpose, mankind. I need you to spread forth my message. I have given an inspiration to you. I've inspired you with my thoughts and my image and my likeness. I've given that to you. I need you to do what I have inspired you to do, what I breathe into you, the breath of life to do. This is not a life for you. This is a life that I have made for my own express purpose of expanding and expressing my own kingdom to this entire world. This is not for you. So before I bring you into this world, into this place, into this, into this land, into this promise, I need you to pause because you might have the wrong perspective if you move in here and you see this land that's flowing with milk and honey and that has been lavished with grass. There's just grass all over the place and water that just flows. And you used to have to work for your water in Egypt. You used to have to go and fetch your water and put in intricate systems in order for you to get the water to the land of Egypt, which is in a desert that has no water. But you need water in order to grow the the crops that you guys are living on in Egypt. And, and so when you're in sin, look how much work it takes for you to get resources to yourself when you're living in a life of sin. Egypt is a type of sin. Look what they have to do in order to get water for the crops. They have to establish intricate systems of in, a, in, 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 in one understanding to pedal water through almost like a bicycle like uh, contraption and through some and, and through some mechanism that is going off into the water resource wherever it was dipping the water from the water resource and then transporting the water back to the land transporting the water back to the land and that was the purpose and that was one of the things that that the children of Israel had to do they were responsible for getting 
bringing the water and bringing it to the land so that the land had water in Egypt. It's a type of sin. So in order for them to have provisions in order to live, look at what the work they had to go through in order to have something in Egypt, to have sustenance, to be able to sustain life. Look at the work they had to do. And God is saying, I had to work all that out of you in the wilderness because now I'm providing for you. And even in what they're, what God is providing for them, the children of Israel are fighting against that and asking Moses, why did you bring us out here into this wilderness? Did you bring this out here, bring this, bring us out here to kill us? Where, where is it? What is this that we, we lust for the leeks and the onions of Egypt? They were lusting to go back to Egypt in bondage because they did not understand what was happening in the wilderness. And God was teaching them in the wilderness who their sustainer was, who was their great banner, who was their who was their life giver? Who was their healer? Who was their creator? Who was their God? Because they had turned after so many other gods and turned away and turned away from him. And he's trying to help them to understand that who he is. And before I bring you into this land of promise 40 years later, after taking you out of a land of sin, He's taking you out of a land of sin and taking you into a land of grace. The promise is grace and the grace is the promise. And that grace is nothing they earn because he's teaching them and he showed them how stiff necked of a people they were. And before you go into this land, I'm causing for you to pause so you can catch your breath and understand the inspiration and what I've called you here to do and what you are to be doing for me. There's a purpose in what I'm sending you into. There's a purpose in what I'm establishing you to do. This isn't about you. There's an inspiration that I've given you and I need you to catch your breath and understand that and pause. Purpose and inspiration, the Wonder Twins working together before you move into this land of promise. I want you to understand what it is you're doing and what I need for you to do. You are supposed to go into this land. There's a purpose in why I'm bringing you here. This is a promise I've given unto your fathers. And when I bring you into this land, there are people in this land, greater and mightier nations than you, but I need you to go into this land and drive out those nations from before you. You have a purpose. You're not going into this land that flows with milk and honey, honey, all for yourself. I'm giving you this, and this is grace. You are going to be able to partake of the provisions that are in the land, the water that just flows in this land and waters the crops. And it's not going to be like the land you came out of that you had to go and get water and fetch it and bring it back to the land and trot it underfoot to try to get it back to land and walk all that distance or prepare contraptions all that distance to get water from a place that where there were where there was no water at to get water to a place where you're living in which there is no water at you ain't, you're not going to have to do that in this land of grace in this land of promise that I've given you pause for just a second let me teach you there's something I want you to do and I want you to have the correct lens don't come into this land of opulence and and provision and prosperity and begin to consume that on just yourself. There's a purpose. I need you to spread my message to the land. I need you to spread my message to the land. So I need you to catch your breath before you move in. I need to inspire you before I bring you into the promise.
there's a purpose. <laughs> this is powerful. This is powerful. He causes for them to pause before him being brought into the promise. Maybe they're wonder triplets, inspiration, purpose, and promise. Inspiration, purpose, and promise. Inspiration, purpose, and promise. I don't know. Maybe they're all working together to activate what God is doing in your life and in my life. There was another example I was thinking about as I was kind of thinking about really in a, in a moment this particular inst installment came to me really in a moment so I just got up and just started to just record this. Um, there was another example that I was thinking that, that came to mind I should say um, that happened when, when, when God did not see what he desired to see or what he inspired in man to then worship the Lord in spirit and in truth or to breathe back out what he's inspired into man he didn't see it and so what he inspired and what he did not see what he inspired into man we go into the book of Genesis we get we run into a story and account of a man named Noah Noah is living in a time where man is running amok. You got the Tower of Babel that comes. It's in this. It's in this time frame. Man is just doing this. Man is into this. The, the, uh, the, there were there were stories about men or man sleeping with the angels and creating a race of people called the Nephilims. There's 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 this debauchery, if you will, that's going on in the land. This is all between, I want to say, Genesis, Genesis chapter 8. So between, uh, 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 you know, Cain and Abel coming from Adam and Eve, from Genesis 1 to Genesis 8, you can read, take some time and read that. You, you can see this, this how mankind begins to just fall after man has sinned, by the way, and taken and eaten of the of of the tree that they were not supposed to eat of but they've been disobedient and not living out purpose that God has caused for them to live out through the inspiration that God has given them and 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 it starts this cascading effect of a continual downward spiral and then we get to a man named Moses and not Moses and get to a man named Noah and God tells Noah, I want you to build an ark. And God begins to give Noah the dimensions of the ark and how he's supposed to build the ark. There's this masterful exhibit that's in Kentucky, I think it is, uh, the, the ark experience. If you haven't been in there, my wife and I, we've been there. Uh, it's, it's a real life uh, model um, of the ark. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful experience. You can look it up online and kind of see it if you're up that way. If you're in Kentucky, I would tell you to go by just go by there and see that. It's really really cool to see that. But the massive size, I was as we walk as we were walking up on it, it's like oh my god, look how big this thing is. Noah built that under the direction or inspiration <laughs> of God. 
God has inspired Noah because there's a purpose. There's a purpose. There's a purpose. Inspiration and purpose. Wonder Twins working together. God inspires Noah. Noah builds. Then Noah is inspired to then bring certain things onto their people and things and pe people and animals onto the ark. And then once all those people and the animals are onto the ark in accordance to the instructions that God has given Noah, then it rains on the earth. And it rains and it floods the earth. Now, what I want you to see here is God was not seeing what he was desiring to see or what he inspired in man to see. What he inspired in man to then live out, which would have then given a picture and worship back to God of what God had breathed into man. That ebb and flow of that breath of man receiving breath and then breathing back out breath, receiving breath and breathing back out breath. What was being breathed back out was not what was breathed in. And there was a discrepancy between the two. And God causes for the earth to pause with is a purpose in Noah building that ark. God calls for the earth to pause just for a second. I say a second, not literally, but pause for a moment. Because I'm not seeing what I should be seeing. Doesn't that sound like right now? Could it be that God has caused for the entire earth to pause with the COVID virus? Pause because I'm not seeing what I inspired in mankind. I'm not seeing my breath come back. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing mankind breathe out what I breathed into them. I'm seeing hate bigotry, racism, discord, confusion, debauchery, re redefinition of marriage, all kinds of stuff. And maybe God, by grace, has said, I need for the whole world to pause. I need for you to pause. That's a personal message. I had to pause. My wife had to pause. Everybody had to pause. The pause was so critical. If I can say, you use that term critical. The pause was so necessary that the land through government interaction and coercion by the police force or government laws of the land, you had to shelter in place. If you did not have a reason for being out on the roads, you were, in a sense, mandated, required, admonished to stay home and shelter in place. In my estimation, that's grace. But it causes for you to pause. 
and catch your breath. Be inspired again. Or to remember the inspiration that you've been given. Turn your face and your heart and your mind back to God. And breathe. There's purpose in the pause so you can catch your breath. And there's some of you that are listening right now, you need to pause. And you need to catch your breath. You need to regulate your breathing. Your breathing is so fast, you're starting to hyperventilate. And your hyperventilating is causing for you to have blurred vision and feeling faint, dizzy. Because you need to pause and rest. I feel you, and you, you take your. You need to pause and rest and take some breaths. I feel you in my own physical body. You, you're dizzy. Your chest is tight. Your vision is blurring. You feel jittery like you've had too much caffeine. You don't know what's going on. You're trying to diagnose yourself. You're reading and stuff on the internet. And you're trying to understand what's happening. What changes are taking place? Why do I feel this pain here? What is this? Is weird? I've never felt that before. And you're breathing. You're trying to figure out what is this? What is that? You're questioning yourself. And the questioning yourself is keeping you up at night. It's causing for you not to get good rest. And you're getting up and you're having challenges even in your work life. And God is saying, pause. There's a purpose in the pause. I need you to catch your breath. Because I'm taking you somewhere. I have a promise for you. And it's a promise that I gave to your fathers. That you're the beneficiary of. You get to live. And a promise I gave your fathers. And before you go into this, I need you to pause and catch your breath. Because this isn't because of something you've done. It's because of a promise I've gave. God has a promise for you, people. For those, that are you, those of you who've already given your life to Jesus Christ, this particular installment is just as important to you as it is for those who have not already given their life to Jesus Christ. Those who have given their life to Jesus Christ, you need to pause and catch your breath because God has a promise for you and he's taking you into that promise. This is a season of transition. promises fulfilled things you're walking into 
that you've been seeing for a while. You're walking into them in this season and in this time. But before you go into those things, you need to pause, take your breath and understand. Become in rhythm with the cadence and the breath of God and what he's given you. And the inspiration that he's breathed inside of you. So that you understand what it is he's doing when he brings you into this promise. There's a purpose. You need to pause. You're pausing because there's a purpose. And there's a purpose for the pause before you walk into the promise. For those of you who have not given your life to Jesus Christ, God has extended grace to you as well. Just as he's extended grace to all of us who are all sinners saved by God's grace. We're all sinners having our lives being, 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 being directed by the sins and the lust of our flesh, being moved back and forth by those things and our heart's desires. There's a purpose for this pause. And what you've been experiencing, the hyperventilating, the dizziness, the, the pains and the, the questions and the, the challenges and the pressure and the duress, all this stuff, there's a purpose there's a purpose for the pain. I would implore you to go back into our library as well. I want you to listen to, there is another installment called The Purpose for the Pain. Go back and listen to that. I want you to go back and listen to that after you make this decision right now. I'm going to pose a question to you. And we need you to make the right decision. The decision I'm going to tell you right now, the answer to the question I'm about to ask you is you need to say yes to God yes to Jesus that's what you need to do I'm going to ask you the question I'm going to put forth this question to you but you need to say yes to Jesus you need to pause You're seeing things. Your body may be swelling. Your weight may be fluctuating. And God is bringing his word to you right now and asking you to make a choice. You need to pause. Catch your breath. Those of you who have not given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to pause and catch your breath. And understand the grace that God has extended to you. And that grace came in the form of a man. Who was born of a virgin. His name is Jesus. He had an express purpose. Coming into this world and saving this world to be crucified for our sins. He is the scapegoat for us. Our sins were imputed upon him who knew no sin, who was completely innocent, with no guile, no error, completely perfect, living in the same flesh as you and I, 
tempted by the same things you and I were. But sin not. Took a weep, a whipping of 40 stripes, less one, 39 stripes on his back. Being beat beyond recognition to the point that his inside, bowels, entrails, intestines were hanging out of his body. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. He took those stripes in his body. And then when he took those stripes in his body, after getting up off the whipping post, when those Roman soldiers whipping him, they put a cross on his back and told him to carry the cross. He took the cross unto Calvary's hill. And there he was crucified, judged, and the judge rendered a verdict of death to him. For not his sins, because he was perfect, but for your sins and my sins that were put upon him. He was wounded for our transgressions. This is Isaiah. This is the book of Isaiah. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for us to obtain peace was put upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Jesus on that cross died and gave up the ghost. He did it for the purpose of the joy that was set before him, knowing that it would reconcile us back to God and put us back into the rightful position that we lost when man sinned in the garden with Adam and Eve early on. In the fullness of time, he sent his son, born of a virgin, living a life of no sin, perfection, going to the cross and having all our sins put upon him and ultimately judged by the ultimate judge, God. Judged for the sins, not his sins, our sins. He took upon us our sins, dying for us and in our place, taking upon, taking upon his own body what was physically and justly due to us. But because for God so loved us, he gave his only begotten son up for us that whosoever should believe on his only son and believe in the fact of what he did for us and that our sins were put upon him and he died in my place or your place and in our stead was buried and then rose from the grave and whosoever should believe that message shall not perish but shall have everlasting life what everlasting life that spirit your spirit who you are my spirit we will go on to live Outside of this body. When our spirits separate from this body. We will go on to live. But the question is where will you live? In hell or in heaven? Brothers and sisters. Those of you who are out there. Who have not given your life to Jesus Christ. I'm asking you right now. Will you give your life to Jesus? That in eternal life to come. You will have eternal life. With Jesus in heaven.
Can you make that decision right now to make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior? And it's a trivial task for you to do. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I understand and I know this. You can recapitulate before Jesus the sins that you know that you've done. However you want to handle that moment. But confess to him that you are a sinner. But also confess to him that, he, that you know that he died for my sins. Jesus, you died for my sins. You were crucified on a cross. You were buried. And you rose from the grave. You ascended up into heaven. You're now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. I believe in the gospel message that you came to this earth to have my sins put upon you so that I could be brought back into right standing with God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. I accept the sacrifice you've made for me. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I want you to have full control and the reins in the life that I have. Because the life I live is not my own. It's been bought with a price. It's been bought with the precious blood of you, Jesus Christ. I believe in you, Jesus. Amen. If you are one of those that are out there that just prayed a prayer like that or made some declaration like that to Jesus, I want to welcome you to the family. This family is called the church. The church is the body of Christ. The church is made up of members of the body of Christ. That's who the church is. The members of the body of Christ are those that have given their lives to Jesus Christ. We are members of that body in which, of which Christ is the head. Welcome to the family. We are glad you're here. We are strengthened by you being here. And you have a purpose now. You had a purpose. You may not have, you may have not, you may have forgotten. You may have gotten off track. But you have a purpose. And that purpose is our purpose. Our purpose is your purpose. And what I mean is the purpose of Ecclesia United is to spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ. According to the, book of, the book of Mark chapter 16, God says unto us what our purpose is. We are to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And to them that believe, they'll be saved. And to them which don't, do not believe, they'll be damned. We are to go into all the world and preach this gospel. And to tell people about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, people aren't going to listen to you 
if they can't see the manifestation of Jesus in your life. That is, you need to live out what God has inspired in you. Live out Jesus, his actions, his word, what he's called for us to do, his character. Live that out. That makes you unique. It makes me unique. Connect with people. Have community with people. And not just people who look like you or vote like you or sing like you or have money like you or whatever you have or whatever you don't have or whatever is similar to you. Don't go out looking for people who are similar to you only. Don't go out looking for people who are similar to you only. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go forward in Jesus Christ. We're glad you're here. For those of you who are familiar with us and who've been here, thank you for your time. Spread this message to all of our new listeners and to those that are new, to all those who are already saved and to those who just gave their lives today and are now saved. Take this message. Share it with others. Spread it throughout the land. That Jesus Christ may be made glorious. In Jesus' name. Amen.